Stop trying to charm me. I see what you're doing. Oh, I'm just trying to match all that charisma you have. That's a snippet from a conversation of me and one of my best guy friends um, (laughs) that we tend to have from time to time. And I am so excited to be able to finally talk to you guys about persona, but not just your public persona. I want to know, what is your seduction persona? This is Michelle Spivan. I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip while I go into dum, 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 the art of seduction. It was as dry as a hundred day old bread. That's what I wanted to say as I listened to uh, an, a person give a speech that they were going to be presenting. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not here to be the enthusiasm police, but I will say that you got to know what is your persona that you're going to be putting out to the world. Now, how did I get into this predicament? Being nice. <laughs> yeah, I was at a um, conference and they did a breakout session. And it was one of those conferences where they try to help you get your elevator speech and pitch together and all that kind of stuff. And we're in our little circle. We've got 15 minutes to make magic and everybody is uh, running their their little elevator speech by us. And we get to this lady and she's got her paper and her brows are furrowed and she's concentrated and she delivers her speech. And it was excruciating. I'm, it, there's no other way to say it. Just freaking excruciating. <laughs> and I looked. And this was the immediate thought that went through my mind. Y'all bear with me. It, it, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, oh my gosh, she just sucked the fun out of the air. And I was like, ah, uh, I have met my first anti-seducer. Yes. I met them in person. and But the good thing is, is that at least she had come to an event to help her. So what am I talking about? Today, I want to talk to you about uh, a book from one of my favorite uh, nonfiction authors. And you know, I have a lot of them. Uh, but one of my favorite nonfiction authors is Robert Greene. And he has some quintessential books that you probably have or want to have in your repository. Today's book that I'm talking about is called The Art of Seduction. Now, no, this is not a pickup book. This is not a PUA. This is not a pickup attraction kind of book. (laughs) This is the foundational book for our generation of the types of personalities that attract and even one that repels. And so he has nine archetypes. And one of those archetypes is called the anti-seducer. Now, the anti-seducer, that's that vampiric person that they they make you want to run for the hills. Um, they, they are insecure, maybe self-absorbed. Um, they are unable to see uh, what others are, are, are doing and how they're interacting with them. They literally repel. They they are they're they're unaware of their. Um, see, I'm stumbling trying to trying to make this nice. I'm just gonna say it. Anti seducers. They are daft, lacking 
when it comes to empathy and emotional intelligence and social intelligence. They just don't get it. They try to be engaging and they they just make you want to go the other direction. They repel. Okay. And uh, the fun thing about the book that Robert Greene put out, The Art of Seduction, Please Get It. Yes, I will put a link in the description, is that they are um, unaware of what they're doing. Bless their hearts. Um, And he took mercy on them by putting them at the end. And so it's good that he was able to highlight the other eight types. And I think I'm not putting this on him, but I think it's in hopes of maybe them grasping onto one and going through the history of it and how uh, they could learn to to be that way. So that by the time you get to the anti-seducer, you're like, oh, okay, I don't want to be like that. I've learned how to do it. So I think it's a, a great strategy. So now with Robert Greene's books, how he sets them up and why they're so engaging is that he gives you these archetypes, but he also gives you uh, a history lesson. So like, for instance, in this book, you'll find out uh, the um, intricate uh, relationships of Cleopatra as a coquette. Uh, you'll, you'll learn how to uh, develop an eye for a rake based on uh, the Valentinos and, and uh, the, 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 um, historical lovers. Um, he goes through all of them with a plume and, and with engaging stories from historical figures and sometimes fictional figures. Um, and it's, it's a great read. So I would encourage you, if you haven't, don't just get the, the notes online. Go through the book. It's wonderful. One of these days, I'm going to talk about one of his other books that I really like, The 48 uh, Laws of Power. And whoa, I have Yes, just great, just great. But today, let's focus on finding out what is your sexual persona. So real quick, I'm going to go through the ones that he outlines in the book and just give you a quick little snippet on each of them. Okay, so in this book, he has the nine. Like I said, the last one is the anti-seducer. That's the rebeller. That's the vampiric energy, the needy, the unaware and unable to read the clues. They they just make people want to run for the hills. So there's that one. The other ones on the other side have a seductive property to them. So there is the rake. Now, the rake is nine times out of ten. It's going to be a man. And that rake is that person who uh, makes people feel the um, the attention. Like when they are there with them, it might be brief, but if you are standing in front of a rake, they're going to make you think that you are the only person and alive. They are going to make you feel like they can fulfill your fantasies, um, and they're going to make you feel like they would go to the ends of the earth for you, that he is only loyal to you, that his love is only for you. But it's brief because that's a rake. They move on. (laughs) And the sad part is, is a lot of women fall for men to fall for these rakes. And that's how rakes create harems, because when they're with you, you have their complete attention. The next one is the ideal lover. Now, this can be a man or or a male or female or a non-binary, if that's how you go. I ain't got no problems with that. So what they do is the ideal lover fulfills the need. They have an ability to see what is lacking in your life and feel it. So getting no love at home, 
they become that person who is able to fulfill you and 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 understand you, talk to you, or listen to you. And so what they do is they, they have a gift of being able to reflect back your ultimate fantasy. Then there is the dandy. Now, I love the dandy. I'll just be honest with you. I love the dandy. Uh, the dandy is a, um, uh, a chameleon. I don't want to say a chameleon, but I do want to say a chameleon. So what a dandy is, is a dandy, they, they usually attribute it to a man, but in, I see it with female as well. But one of the, the best ones that pops up for me is Prince, the artist Prince. Um, God rest his soul. And what he does is they they walk the middle line where they have attributes of both sides of the attraction scale. They appeal to men and women. Um, and these dandies, like I said, they use ambiguity of the, the sexes to, to be very alluring and they stir they a lot of times they stir these repressed desires i've heard men that say i am not gay but you know i stare into prince's eyes and it's over <laughs> you know and i mean i'm laughing at it and I'm, I'm 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 saying it but we've had dandies throughout the ages and like i said before they don't necessarily have to be men they can be women um a, uh, one that I have uh, heard tell of in contemporary, um, not contemporary, but nonfiction, non non entertainment. I guess you could still say entertainment as female. Rachel Maddow. They <laughs> they say Rachel Maddow appeals to men and women uh, because she's got that androgyny, and yeah, so. You have your dandies. Most of the dandies are going to uh, be very um, verbose. Like they're, they're going to be like a peacock. But then you have some that just in and of themselves, they operate in that energy where they can play the masculine and the feminine role with fluidity. They can flow in and out of it. Um, and like I said, they uh, are able to appeal to both sides. Now, they even talk about their, their physical image. Sometimes it's very startling or sometimes it's elusive and mysterious. You know, there have been times where you can look at someone, you're like, who are you? What are you doing? Because you just don't know. So there's the dandy. Now, I know I spent a lot of time on the dandy. Let me get, let me go to, because I'm, I'm just always, they, they, they just intrigue me. Okay. So then there's the natural. Now the natural, this is, I, 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 kind of have a, I stumble over the name whenever I, I, I encounter it. But what it is, is the natural is that childlike innocence that appeals to people. You know, there might be a little bit of uh, netany going on um, where you get like the the people who have the cute little cherubic faces uh, and and uh, like the baby, Betty Boops back in the day uh, and, and the big eyes, the anime characters of today uh, for their uh, physical appeal. But these naturals, what they do is they they embody this uh, long-held quality of childhood. Right now in our society, we would have um, Betty, um, Betty White, who has, she's the natural. Even though she's almost near 100 at the time of this recording, she still has that childlike innocence to her that uh, helps us to um, go back to a, a simpler time. Uh, she has 
a, a wonder in her eyes, a sparkle of uh, being able to look at everything as if it's new, although we know, but still. So the natural is not a young person only. A natural is a person who just has that natural ability to translate sincerity, unpretentiousness, uh, spontaneity, wonderment, and those types of things to us. And we really like them. We have that seduction. Now, let me just say this. When I'm talking about uh, the art of seduction and the different archetypes of the seductors, this is not about sex. Sex is may be a component of it, but this is about how you attract others to you. So it may or may not be about sex, but a lot of times it's about that magnetism that draws people to you. Okay, so now here is one that is a lot of times attributed to sex, and that is the coquette. Now, the coquette traditionally has been female, but uh, as we continue to become more sexually fluid in our in our society, I am starting to see more people in the LBGTQI communities who are able to showcase that coquettishness as well. So the coquette they are a player. They are the, the great tease. They're the ones that offer you the promise of seduction and uh, sensuality, but they always find a way to delay that satisfaction. They kind of lead you along. They, they're actually said to be the grandmasters of the seduction game. They're able to keep you on the hook and bait you and keep you moving along. And they know when to give you a little bit. Maybe it's a, kick, a kiss on the, on the cheek. Think of coquettes as uh, pinup girls from the, fifth, from the 40s and 50s. Um, they are uh, able to be... Um, how can I say it? They're able to be at your beck and call and give you what a uh, ideal lover would be, but they never really put out. <laughs> they string you along. And so um, they've even said that their strategy is to never really give you total satisfaction because if they did, their allure would be gone. Okay. So then there is the charmer. Now, the charmer is a person who is able to. Um, like the coquette, they can lead you on. But what they do is they are able to seduce you without the sex act. It's simple. What they do is they want it to be all about you. They don't put any focus on themselves. They just focus on you. Now, how are they different from the ultimate lover or even the rake? Well, they're able to go past being brief like a rake would be. And then for the uh, the difference between them and the ultimate lover is that they really do have a um, sincerity about it. Charmers really do want to make you feel better about yourself. They don't want to uh, make you feel any negativity. They they have an, uh, sometimes an altruistic um, agenda. They are able to cast this spell on you where they leave you feeling good about yourself. And so that's a charmer. Okay, so now they have the charismatic. And this is the one where I kind of fit in the, the most natural. Now, the charismatic, uh, I don't want to make it a blanket statement, but what I will say is we do really well in front of crowds, but not necessarily in them. But there's that. 
So the charismatic is all about their presence. When you come in contact with them, they have this self-confidence, these energies of purpose and contentment with themselves. Most people, it's like Michael Jordan. I want to be like Mike. That is the charismatic. They have these qualities that radiate outward to others and they are able to draw you in to have you join them in this electric energy. Uh, They can uh, get you with a gaze. They can have fiery oratory, you know, meaning that they can just speak and keep you uh, in, in their spell for, for ages. Um, they also can have an air of mystery. Um, and if they, they so choose, they can use sexual energy, but for the most part, they do their seduction on a grand scale. They, they do better in groups. They can do one-on-one, but they do better in groups. Now there is a certain amount of charismatic illusion that goes with this because they are sometimes, and I hate to say this, but they're sometimes unable to continue to always radiate that intensity because they're human. And so it's kind of like you can be on for the crowds, but when you go back, you become just this normal person. I always think of the charismatic as the Wizard of Oz, the big Wizard of Oz, and not the little man behind the curtain. And so as a charismatic, I I'm always aware of that, working on finding a natural balance in my personal life as well as my public persona. So then there is the star. Now, the stars are those who are able to fulfill fantasies and dreams. And um, we actually can sometimes put our hope in these stars. And that's why they call celebrities and people who are on the big screen stars, because there's a lot of that attached to it. And there is another thing. A star is usually far away. There is a distance uh, between us and them that helps them to maintain a, a, a dream like ethereal bright light kind of quality. Yeah, there is a magnetism to them, but we, we never get to touch them. So unlike the coquette who is with you, but they are uh, delaying the satisfaction of of having them in person. You have these stars that are icons and, and they are icons because they are far away from us. There is even a, a saying that says, never meet your heroes. <laughs> you know, I learned something recently about a a star um, from uh, astronomy. And that is a star is always pushing out their power so that if you make it to their core, their core is always going to be colder than the output of their heat and their power that they're giving. So it also goes to Lynn that when you are a star, you kind of have to be aware that you're giving out all your energy to others where you're cold inside, where there is a lacking. So there's that. Then there is the siren. Now, in this one, they talk about the female type of siren. And yes, if you are uh, thinking about the sirens from mythology, yes, there is a danger. Um, a siren in uh, 
movies could be counted as a femme fatale and all of that. So yeah, they're, they are highly sexually charged. Uh, they offer pure pleasure, but they're also dangerous. And this is the thing. The siren is part of a mirage. She lures people or men, women, however, uh, with a captivating appearance only to get them in their, her snare and cause problems. So there's that. So let me repeat them real quick for you. So we have the rake. Uh, we have the ideal lover, the dandy, the natural, the coquette, the charmer, the charismatic, the star, the siren, and the, those darn anti-seducers. And so why is it needful for you to learn about them? Is because each person has a natural affinity. And I know there are some people that say, well, I see myself in many of them. Good for you, boo, here's a cookie. But what I'm going to say is there is a primary one. And you can learn from uh, understanding your um, natural seductiveness, what naturally pulls you towards people. And in the book, because I'm not trying to tell you um, a long book in 20, 20 to 30 minutes, um, he goes so far as to give you the pros and the cons so that you can be aware of things that you need to look out for. And that's what I really like about this book, because the art of seduction is not about, he's not trying to teach you how to get over on people. He's not trying to teach you how to, um, uh, take from others. He's actually giving you the keys to how you naturally operate in public. And when I talk about the public persona, I'm not talking about the mask. I am just talking about the outward projection we project sometimes unconsciously to people. And when you understand what your natural propensity is, it will help you to be aware of the pros and the cons, the rewards and the pitfalls. And so that's why it's so important because I am seeing, and I don't want to say this, this is doom and gloom, but I am seeing that because we deal with people digitally a lot, we deal with people online, whether it's through video or whatever, we are getting into an age of astounding mimicry where we are mimicking people because we see what they're doing and we think that's the only way that we can get people to be attracted to us or to our message or to what we're saying or even to build friendships. There was a, a person recently that uh, asked me, they were like, you know, I'm um, in my well, they're in their 60s and they're like, I'm lonely and I don't know how to go out and make new friends. I seem to be stuck in my ways. And I told them, I recommended this book. And I was like, you know, if you don't, if you're, if you're not into the reading, you can get a, a, so many people have done videos and training and everything on these nine archetypes. I was like, just go through them. And I was like, you can even find free tests to figure out which one you are uh, or at, interview others and, and uh, see how they see you as to why they're your friends and you can figure it out. And so the person said they would. I didn't follow up with them because I was like, it was just a passing kind of thing. But it got me to thinking that there is wisdom in understanding our natural inclinations to how we attract others. Everybody is not going to be a peacock. You know, I write uh, as a uh, romance author. Um, and for those of you who've been asking, my name is, my one of my main pen names is Michael Daniels and it's spelled M Y. 
C-H-A-L, Daniels with an S on it. You can go to Amazon or wherever, and you can even go to michaeldaniels.com, spelled that way, M-Y-C-H-A-L. And so I write these books, and I have been using Robert Greene's uh, archetypes for so long, and they actually inform me on how to make these realistic because I have to try to figure out what is the chemistry between the people. And I don't just give um, a seductive archetype to the main character. I give it to the people that she's interacting with so that I can uh, make it realistic with the pitfalls as well. And that's just in a fake book. But one of the things that I am I'm proud to say is that a lot A lot of people talk about how um, developed and realistic my characters are. And this is one of the many things that I'm able to attribute to Mr. Green of having learned these things. Like he has one called um, Human Nature, this book that I'm reading right now. I'm not not ready to talk about it because I'm still reading it, but it's really cool. I just love him. So with finding out what your seductive persona is, I, I really believe that it's important now because when you take away the physicality of being uh, in the presence of someone, the electromagnetism that happens in real life is taken away. But that doesn't mean that you can't portray it through your digital ways. So if, for instance, if you know that after going through this, you know that you are a charmer. You're going to be able to choose words differently than a rake would or than a charismatic would. You know, charismatics, we tend to use words about like you, you've probably heard me say, I'm so excited. You know, that that's something of a charismatics uh, language, whereas a charmer would be like you they're, they're projecting in the second second person. You are where charismatic is. I am, <laughs> you know, just simple little nuances like that, that uh, I've, I've been blessed to be able to teach in the past. I might I might do a, a training um, about how to uh, hone your uh, seductive persona. I might do that. Yeah. So anyway, there's that. Now, there are other ways uh to, to understand your social sexual personality. Um, there's actually, um, I remember I took it years and years ago and they're still uh, doing it. And I think it's really great. Um, it is um, a hypno, uh, online hypnotherapy. I think you can do it in person too, but an online hypnotherapy certification. That's really cool. Um, HMI. And uh, so I found the video from one of the trainings that I took years ago, and I actually started incorporating it into my um, therapy sessions, not the hypnosis part, but just the understanding of the social sexual personalities. And I started getting so many aha moments from my clients that I was like, this stuff is real. And so they even talk about on top of the, now they don't, mention Robert Greene's uh, art of seduction archetypes. They don't. They just talk about opposites attracting and the two main ways we are charged to attract others. And, And they talk about you being an emotional or a physical. Now, emotional is not what you think it is. Emotional is a person who is all in their head. They tend to appear like they're cold and unfeeling. But the way they're wired is they feel in their thinking first, and then it flows down 
to their body. So they're going to mainly be the person when you're interacting with them and they shut down when you're having an emotional conversation. And it's not because they're ignoring you. It's because they're trying to process it because it's going into their brain or their mind and not their body. So they really don't know how to tell you how they feel. Whereas you have the physicals. Now the physicals, I think they should have named them the emotionals, but this is their platform. They can go for it. Well, the physicals are going to be those people who live in their body. They know immediately how they feel. They express their love through their body, so much so that they have an air of confidence. When they walk into a room, uh, they demand uh, on a primal level uh, interaction through physicality. They're going to be the people who are going to love team sports and doing things together and hanging out together, whereas the emotional is going to like solitary sports, like golf, (laughs) where they can do their thing on their own, archery, I don't know, whatever it takes to do stuff off of their own. And you know what? I'm going to drop, yeah, I'll drop those uh, YouTube videos in there and it'll really help you because those personas will help you to understand how you interact with people in social, sexual interactions, whether it be your friends, your lovers, your family, or whatever. And um, the, the guy that's doing the class He even talks about which parent or which side of your formative years you develop whichever personality you're going to be. So it's it's, it's really fun. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes as well. And it's just, you know, YouTube. uh, So you can do that. But I want to say the wisdom here, the wisdom smack here about why I'm taking the time to talk about your seductive persona is because I am starting to see where people are becoming islands and they are getting to the point where they're having to define different stages, classifications, or striations of aloneness. Not loneliness, but aloneness. So you're having people who are actually in physical relationships and they are still alone because of our dynamic of being able to have relationships globally through the medium of the internet, of WhatsApp, and all those types of things. And so it's creating some different dynamics and we still need to figure out what's my particular power of attracting others. So that's it for today. My time is up. I sure do thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to another podcast of Wisdom Smack with your host, Michelle Spiva. Now you already know what to do. I'm going to ask you and thank you for commenting, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and you know, sharing. And also, I'm going to ask you to please continue. Thank you guys. Love to you. Continue supporting this podcast by using our Amazon link whenever you go to Amazon. Yes, you got to do it each time, y'all. It's not good just one time. You got to do it each time. So to use our link that will take you straight to Amazon, uh, use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And we, if you purchase something within, I think like maybe a day, uh, we will possibly get some kind of commission. So thank you. And I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.